Welcome back to episode five of the Geek Teen MMA podcast. We are your hosts, Brandon and Victor Cruz. Welcome back, everyone. And for this episode, why don't we just hop right into it? Uh, a lot of stuff going on. We actually didn't do an episode for two or the two oh eight. Two oh eight. We were a little bit. Uh, the schedules didn't really uh, allow us to watch the show, and uh, neither of us was home to watch it. Mm-hmm. So we've got the results. It turned out to be a, a good card. Uh, you know, obviously in our last episode, we talked a lot about how we didn't think it was a card fitting of. Brooklyn, New York, I still think that that was correct, although there was enough controversy to make it a good show, and from what I've heard over you social media... Mention what Dana White did? What do you mean? Remember how he said this is definitely not one of our best cards? Yeah, see, it's like, come on, man, like, I could have told you, I told you that, like, yeah, like said, months said it, like months before. Weeks in advance. So, there was some controversy, why don't we just hop right into it? Uh, let's well, see. The only fight that really matters is... Uh, well, we can just mention Anderson Silva beat uh, Derek Brunson in a uh, was Clip and Steve a split decision? Uh, does it say? Uh, I, I know, I know, he won in a decision, but I don't know if it's a split decision. Either way, another controversial fight. Some people say Brunson won. Yeah, it was a split. Thirty twenty-seven. What the hell are these? Yeah, I mean, I don't like that. I mean, going into this, you know, I thought. The worst thing that could happen is for Anderson Silva to win because then he he's gonna he's yeah he's think he's a contender and no, he's been no. talking a lot since about how he wants to get certain shots he wants to go up against Conor McGregor and yeah. I don't think he's at that point in his career I think he's had some you know some I think he's just past his prime yeah I think he's had some fights where uh, apparently some people were saying that this could have gone either way it looks like it. And so I don't know. I just I, I mean, just, Brunson has to- way more strikes and a better percentage, significant strikes. It was a Brunson. He got two takedowns. So on paper, it looks like Brunson would have won. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, we didn't see much of the fight. Obviously, we didn't see the card. Like I said, uh, and he had way more control time. That's that's a big thing for judges. I don't know. I don't know. Well, does can you tell if that thirty twenty seven? Who's that in favor of? Well, it was obviously, oh, I would That's think. That's what I'm wondering. It was, I don't remember if the result was a. Sp- it says decision. It wasn't unanimous, right? Um, I don't remember. Let me look. Was that UFC 208? Yeah. Okay, give me a second. But let's see. So we, we didn't see some of these fights. I mean, I think Poirier. Poirier Winning was what we I heard. Were, that was a good, really good I fight. I heard that was a good fight as well. Global to Cannoneer. Uh, heard that was a good fight as well. I mean, again, we didn't see this. Another one that was controversial was Holly Holm and Durandame. And oh, okay, so uh, Anderson Silva won by unanimous decision. Yeah, so it, it was announced 29 28, 29 28, then 30 27. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess we got to see the fight, but we didn't see the fight. Yeah. The only the other controversial one was, like I said, Holm and Durandame. Uh, there were two times where she hit uh, Durandame hit Holly Holmes after after the bell after the bell and it was it wasn't even like as the bell was ringing it was a ding and then she knocks her lights out and the referee didn't 
took yeah. away any points. He didn't do anything. And so my only other problem is the last few shows, we've had some different referees. I don't want to say they're new. They're new, I think, to the UFC because we haven't seen them in the two, two years, two years we've been watching. So I'd like to find out a little bit more about why they're using, you know, new new refs. Because at least when you go in with a ref that you know, you can expect like, okay, you know Herb Dean's going to step the, in and stop the fight like at anything. Like, he'll take away a point. He'll, he'll take, take away, away a point. point. He'll be fair there. But you know that, hey, if you, if you, get, if you get rocked, there's a possibility he's going to stop the fight. Then you have John McCarthy, who I like. He's, he's pretty really fair. Good. But he's yeah. been stopping fights earlier. Though. Yeah, he's been stopping fights. He's maybe. And then you have uh, what's the other guy? Um, Dan Margliotta. Dan Margliotta, which I kind of, I like as well. That's the bald guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. like him. He's fair. So my point is, you know these refs, and you go into fights knowing you know kind of what the ref is like. So with guys like these who are new to the UFC, you don't know what the heck's going on. So you also have to question how much they know of UFC, you know, MMA rules. I mean, you would think that obviously they're not going to be in there if the if they don't know the rules because this is the professionals and they wouldn't put like amateurs in there, yeah. amateur refs. Plus they're hired by the, the athletic commission. Yeah, so, so they can't but be just random people. I just wonder because it wasn't just in New York. We just finished watching the Halifax one in Canada and they had some some of these new new refs again, new to the UFC. So I'm just wondering why and who the heck they are. Um but a show like Brooklyn with, you know, controversy and things like that with refs that no one knows is, is you know, what kind of concerns me. But anyway, so Deuteronomy... Also, also uh, Sousa beat Tim, I'd say, Boschek? I don't know, by a, by a Komora in the first round. Just to let you know. That's about you, it. You can hear that when you do that. Oh, oops. That's about it. But, uh, yeah, back onto Holly Holm and Deuteronomy. Can you click on it? So I can see it. So... On paper, it says uh, Ronda May had the least amount of control time. There was no knockdowns. Uh, Ronda May had the better uh, strike percentage, 65 to 52, 144 strikes, 122. Um, significant strikes, uh, Ronda May 80 to 77, no takedowns, no submissions. And so it was a close fight. It was 47-48, yeah. 48-47, all three cards for Ronda May. So if you think about it, if they would have taken one point, it would have been 47-47. If they would have taken another two points, it would have been in favor of Holly Holmes. Yeah. So Holly Holm uh, really got screwed. So obviously the right thing to do is to give them an immediate ma- uh, rematch, uh, which... She filed for it, didn't she? Which, well, technically what happened since then, after the fight, they, the rumor was that it was Cyborg versus Geronimo. Then Geronimo came out and talked about wanting, give, wanting to give Holly Holm a rematch because of the controversy, because she's not a dirty fighter. And so for her honor, is the way I took it, it you know, to, to basically back up her honor, she wanted to give Holly Holm the rematch, which I think is fair. But apparently she's got to wait a little bit because I think she's injured. Yeah, if I when, right. when you have some kind of injury, the the athletic commission always uh, gives you even the big man. Like uh, Chris Wyman got, I don't think he's allowed to fight. He was allowed to fight in New York for like a year. Yeah, I mean not a year, like a couple months. So, anyways, that's what came out of two hundred eight. We didn't see too much of the show, so we didn't want to give it too much, you know, time not- on a podcast. But we did see the prelims, and I'm trying to think uh, what what we Nova was a Brooklyn kid who lost. That's right. He was from Brooklyn. He ended up losing. Lentz Makachev was that was a pretty good that was a pretty good fight. Makachev won, and then Reese versus Sasaki. Remember Sasaki? Remember that fight? Um, it was an isn't interesting. That, isn't that guy Brazilian? So it's 
Heiss? That's right. You're right. Heiss. Yeah. Versus Sasaki. And, yeah, I remember uh, that one. And it was actually... Oh, when he came back like at the last uh, the last two rounds, right? Yeah. He still lost. And then Brown and Muhammad. That was a good fight. Brown and Muhammad was th- a good fight. Yeah, I thought Brown won that fight. But Muhammad, you know. Yeah, I actually thought Muhammad won the fight because he was the aggressor the whole time. Remember? That's what we were talking about? Yeah. And so that was a pretty good fight. So the the, the prelims was pretty good. Uh, but anyway, so they, we didn't see this card. We're waiting for it to be replayed so we can watch it. Yeah. Or we'll find it on YouTube, whichever comes first. even if we were home, I don't think we would have watched it like we talked yeah. in episode four because it wasn't worth my $60. And you know what? This is one. This is the... We haven't skipped a card since maybe... Oh, we missed the Max Holloway card. But we normally never skip cards, no matter what. The only cards we've ever skipped was... There was two... The last two Robbie Lawler fights, this fight... The Max Holloway card, and I think that was it. Oh, and the um, uh, Dan Henderson fight. We, yeah. we usually try to watch every pay-per-view no matter what. All right, so then uh, in the meantime, before we get to what happened tonight, let's talk about uh, some of the news. Cyborg. Yeah, so so big news Big news this week is is Chris Cyborg's uh, been granted the exemption, exemption for her uh, P. Well, you know, it was for her doping uh, violation by USA DA. Um, and so that's huge news because basically she didn't, you know, she's not in trouble. She can go ahead and fight. My, now my only thing is she got, um, she got an exemption, but it's also, let's see. So they gave her, though, just really quick, just to fill everyone in. She was, she got, she got cleared of a potential violation where she was suspended following a positive test for a banned substance late last year. So what happened was uh, this past Friday, US, USADA uh, announced that the uh, investigation revealed that her use of the drug was for medical condition as prescribed by her physician. And so um, it says that she was granted what's the, what do they call it, the temporary, oh, the therapeutic use exemption. What the therapeutic therapeutic use exemption is basically look if you go to the doctor and the doctor says you have to take let's say some kind of steroids and it's just hypothetically speaking but let's say i'm asthmatic right and i need to take an inhaler well an inhaler is a steroid right because that's what helps you with with your with your asthma i didn't know that yeah so i don't know obviously i'm just hypothetical i'm just saying i know it's a steroid but i don't know if it's a steroid that would be on any list as being wrong but my point is let's assume it is so if i know i have to take an inhaler for my asthma then I have to apply for a therapeutic use exemption. But she didn't do that. No, no, but, but, but that's my point. As an athlete, you're supposed to file for it because you know ahead of time that you're going to have to take that medication and then you get exempt and you can take it. This happens with baseball players who have to take, you know, like Adderall for ADHD. They apply for an exemption and you can take it and, and no harm, you know, no big deal. And then when you get, when you get uh, tested, it shows up in your system, but you got paperwork to show that you, you know, you have permission to yeah. take it. So the thing is... Some organ, some there's a procedure for them to let you uh, file um, what they call a retro retroactive, which means you kind of knew you had, you know, I, I guess the you got popped, but it was something prescribed by your doctor, and someone forgot to file the paperwork, so they let you go back and file it, but it's after an investigation. Now here's my thing, and we talked about this a few episodes ago. My problem is. If you're at the professional level, 
if you're if you're not at the professional level, it's one thing because probably your managers, your team, they're learning just as much as you are. But if you're at the professional level, and again, I love I like Chris Cyborg, and this isn't a knock on her, but someone on her team, their job should be anytime you go to the doctor, anytime you get prescribed something, questioning like, okay, doc, here's the list because I don't know how it works at UFC and MMA, but I know in baseball there's a list of what's banned, and so if I go to the doctor. The doc, uh, it's my job to give them the list. First of all, usually doctors in baseball that pl- baseball players go to, they're knowledgeable and they work with other baseball players, so they know the drugs that are on the list. But anyways, let's assume your doctor doesn't know. It's your job, to part of her out. team, to go to her doctor and say, okay, this is what you're prescribing. Before she goes to the to to the pharmacy, before she goes to CVS to get this medication, here's the list of of banned drugs. We want to make sure there's nothing on there. And if he says, oh, there is, well, okay, well, hold on. So Let's before she fills a prescription, let us file the therapeutic use exemption and make sure everything's on the up and up, and then you take the medication. And so I always have an issue with athletes and their people who wait till they get popped with a drug, you know, with, with a, a drug test, and then, oh, yeah, well, this is, you know, this is legit. Well, yeah, if it's legit, do your job. And, again, this isn't, for, this isn't against Chris Cyborg because it's not her. Ultimately, it's the individual athlete's responsibility, yes. But I ever know I know everyone has their team, and it's someone in her team's job, or it should be, to make sure that those details are taken care of. And so someone on her team didn't do their job. And, you know, well, they could say whatever they want, but I still believe Someone on her team, it's their job. Whenever she goes to the doctor, you go with her and you talk to the doctor and make sure everything is cleared. And if, and even if they say it is, you double check it. There's no reason for an athlete to take a banned substance without first making sure it's cleared and the right paperwork is submitted. So that's my only issue with it. But great, great news for Chris Cyborg. Um, obviously, we were, you know, we were hoping that everything would come out positive for her so she can continue fighting. And a little, another other little controversy that was coming out, I guess, since she's not fighting in Invicta anymore, right? Then her title, there's an interim yeah, there's a champion. champion. And so apparently this lady, the, I forget what her name is, she won the, yeah. the, the belt and doesn't want to fight Chris Cyborg because she says she needs a few more fights before she fights the best women's MMA. Yeah. Here's the thing. You won the title. You're the champion. You're the top of the uh, of the of the you know of your division. Mm-hmm. So what do you mean you need more fights? That's yeah. something usually like 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 what was her name? Um, Pena? Was it Pena? Oh no no. Oh. Um, what what was the the who's the girl that uh, is gonna fight Junjanechik next? Andrade. Andrade. Andrade said before you know they gave her. They gave her a title shot, and she said, "No, I need a, I need another fight." Yeah. Okay. If you're not the champion, saying that is okay. But if you win the title, that's it. You're the champion. You don't need no other fights. So that alone, to me, means she's scared of Cyborg, yeah. right? Because if you're the champion, you fought for the belt, you won. What do you mean you need more fights before fighting and defending your champion against the best competition? If you're the if you're the title holder, shouldn't you want to be? Going up against the best of the best, mm-hmm. so you're basically saying I don't want to go up against the best of the best. So I yeah. don't know, but anyways. Oh, so. also speaking about the USA DA whatever, uh, this week they announced that um, they made a significant change to their one of their policies in the before 
any retired fighter or new UFC fighters or fighters returning to UFC, um, they would have to go undergo four months of drug testing before they were allowed to compete. Now, the rule is actually they must undergo at least six months of drug testing uh, pool before they're allowed to fight, which, um, yeah, this goes into effect as of April 1st, so I hope that's not a joke, you know what I mean, because that's April Fool's. But, yeah, that's a big change that I noticed that should that hopefully will uh, stop a lot of, uh, you know, drug popping and all that, like Brock Lesnar. Yeah, and then and then other big news from this week is uh, you you can Sunday. tell them yeah tell them about that. So after months of discussion, uh, the UFC has finally announced that um, former UFC welterweight champion Georges Saint Pierre will finally be uh, has finally uh, signed an agreement contract to return to UFC. Um, Saint Pierre, who is twenty five and two as of his last fight in 20... 30, well, 39 months. Oh, yeah, whatever. Well, we haven't. We've never actually seen GSP fight. Uh, oh, yeah. I've seen a couple of his old fights. Amazing. Yeah, but I mean, in terms of like watching oh, the shows, like, yeah. Like, yeah. So we haven't seen him fight. We know that he's obviously one of the best. So yeah. having him come back was huge. The only thing I know about GSP is obviously his reputation, but also because he was part of... He was one of the first ones that oh. before they had drug testing in... Uh, UFC or a good, you know, drug testing program. He was one of the first like vocal athletes to to want one because obviously if you're clean, you don't want to go up against dirty fighters. Yeah. So he was one of the very first vocal fighters to to kind of push for that change. And also, was he in the uh, the mixed martial arts athletes? Yeah, he's also one of the guys fighting for a union. And, oh, yeah, the union. And, and I agree with it. We'll talk about it a little bit when we talk about the Halifax. Um, card from from tonight but you know again as someone who's worked in sports and athlete representation I think you know it's kind of unfair what what the athletes are going through and something that was also from this week and Ariel Hawani's Ariel Hawani's um, Twitter this week is he mentioned you know fans on Twitter were talking about how it's unfair how the UFC got sold for four billion and they're not paying the fighters and and so it's I think some of the fans are a little bit not confused, but but they don't forget see the, the facts. Or yeah, well, they don't missing the big details. Well, too. and they miss they're missing the history of sports and baseball. Again, I work in baseball and baseball and and same thing with every other sport: football, basketball. There was a certain point where there was no free agency. There was you know the owners basically controlled everything, and the players got screwed and they got treated like slaves. And basically, they had to do what the owners said, and so. That's why these organiz these these in these sports the players fought for unions. That's why basketball players, football players, baseball players get paid millions of dollars, got great benefits because they fought for it. Because the owners are making all this money and calling all the shots, and it was one sided and unfair to them. And so that's the way it is with UFC fighters. But here's the thing: so to say that because the UFC is worth four billion, because that's what they got sold for, that they have to pay the athletes, it's not that simple. Because first of all, the new owners, they're they not, spent they billion. spent $4 billion. They didn't make $4 billion. The Fertitta brothers and Dana White made $4 billion. Um, And so it's not really a fair statement or assessment to say, well, it's their responsibility. It's a $4 billion industry. They got to pay them. Well, yeah, they got to pay them. And that, that, that basic idea is true. But 
the athletes, the fighters have to band together and create a union because it's just like any other industry. You know, if in the automobile industry, if they didn't create unions, well, they created unions to better protect the, the workers because in any business, in any industry, the, the companies are, are out to make what? To money. make money. So they're going to make it any way they can. And if and if the athletes are going to take 10, 50 grand to fight, if they're going to take 10 grand to lose, yeah, they're not going to volunteer. Hey, here's a million dollars. Unless they have to, like a, like for Conor McGregor or Nate Diaz, is it Nate Diaz? Nice. Yeah. Nate Diaz, you know, because they need them because it's a big, it's a big, big fight, big fight. But you don't want you don't want that to be the case on an individual basis. So I agree that there should be a union. I just think that the groups that are doing it are 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 the wrong groups because one group is led by the former Bellator owner. Bellator owner owner. So that's a little bit eh, fishy. fishy because you were the an owner screwing athletes as well. Even though he could say he wasn't screwing his athletes, he treated them well. Still, there's still it's unless there's a union and collectively collective bargaining agreement in place. Where, where, you know, fighters' rights are on paper and their benefits and things like that, you're, you're screwing them somehow. You know, you're getting rich off their backs. So that was one group. The other group was kind of a recent group that was started, and that group is led by a former baseball agent, which, who it is, I mean, I'm not sure I'm, I'm totally comfortable with. Here's what I think should happen. What I think is... You should take someone who's been down this road. Like, here's a guy that I think that the fighters should should go after to lead them in the efforts to start a union. And he's done. He's gone from sport to sport. He was the baseball. Uh, he was the leader of the Major League Baseball Players Association, and I think he's the hockey, the NHL Players uh, Association leader now. But he's Donald Fear. Donald Fear is, I think, the guy that the fighters should go after to lead their their basically their union um, organization because uh, I think he is, has a great track record and not only in the work he's done but also in in what you know kind of what he stands for so that's my advice go after Don, Donald Fear um, but anyways moving on what do we want to talk about next what else came up this so the rumors about his uh, next opponent you want to talk about that? Pierre yeah, yeah yeah go ahead so um as of course, since he was announced to be signed with the UFC, there was a bunch of rumors on whether who he would fight. Some uh, names were Bisping, uh, Nate, I think it was Nate Diaz. No, I mean Nick Diaz, uh, Robbie Lawler. Uh, and then the big one I thought was uh, Ty- the winner of Tyron Woodley and uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who are about to fight for the title in uh, about two weeks. But uh, as we were talking about this, I think it's pretty fair that if he would get the winner because... Uh, back in 2013, uh, December to be exact, when he did um, leave the UFC, he did va- he was the current champion and vacated the belt. So it uh, it would make sense for him to get a title shot on his way back because he would never lost a title. But uh, you got anything to say about that? No, I'm just curious to see if the if the layover, you know, if he comes back like Korean Zombie Kill or. Somebody. Or if he comes back and there's ring rust, because, man, 39 months is a long time. That's longer than Korean Zombie was out. So I'd be curious to see how he comes back and and fights. I mean, I, I think I think ring, ring rust is, is a real Definitely thing. Real. So another thing, another thing that happened was, okay, was it, oh, 208. So 208, the prelims, was the first show 
that we heard a three-man commentating. Oh, yeah. That was actually pretty interesting. We were curious to see how the three-man was going to be because we thought one person would get lost. But it was actually really fun. fun. It, was it was actually fun. totally different because when it was before Joe Rogan and, and, Mike, Goldberg. and Mike Goldberg, it was kind of just laid back laid back and talking about, in technical, talking about the fights. So in this one, there were times where I felt like like Rogan, DC, and, and Anik were just having a conversation. And DC being in the ringside, I think, is a great addition because there were certain times where it looked like he was just having a conversation with Joe Rogan. And you can see where the camera panned over and it caught him like tapping him on the yeah. side like you would in a conversation. <laughs> and I thought it was hilarious. And it was actually really, really entertaining. So that was a good move, uh, making a three-man booth. And then now with the Halifax show, we just yeah. saw it was a two-man booth. And it was it was uh, Brian Stan, which, again, I liked. I thought he should have been moved up. And uh, Todd, Grisham. Todd Grisham, who, if yeah. you don't know Todd Grisham, Todd Grisham was with the WWE for a long time. He wasn't even a commentator on there. He was behind the he curtain. Was, he was behind the scenes, but he was a character, too. Yeah, but he was also the one who did like back, a, like backstage Matt, interviews. Yeah, interviews yeah. yeah, and then from there, he moved on to ESPN. Uh, ESPN. So... My only problem with that is, is that I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know enough and I don't want to talk bad about him because I don't know enough of his background if he knows enough about, you know, MMA and UFC. But I guess being on a fight night card is, wasn't too bad because it's not like he's going straight to the pay-per-view. But I was nervous beforehand if it was going to sound too much like Big a WWE event, which, which, did sound like which it did. It did sound like a WWE event. He also used a certain um, wrestling terminology. Like he said, the pop from the crowd. Pop from the crowd is, is a wrestling term. And yeah. so that was interesting. And then there were a few times where he said something and Brian Stan just stood quiet because mm-hmm. it was almost like there was no response to it. Like, they how do you respond to that? It just felt awkward. Yeah, and then yeah. there was also a few times where he said, oh, he got staggered for a fighter. He like, but he no. wasn't really staggered. He was just moving away from a punch. So there were a few, you know, first-time yeah. jitters maybe. So you give, you know, you give him a benefit of the doubt. And then another thing, we talked about the the referees, but Bruce Buffer wasn't there. Wait. Um, yeah, Bruce Buffer Bruce wasn't Buffer there. Bruce Buffer wasn't there. It was, it was Joe Martinez who was from boxing. So I don't know exactly what's going on uh, with the UFC and, you know, the – there's a lot of a lot of changes. changes. They've they've fired a lot of staff. They've let a lot of people go. They've made a lot of changes with the commentators. They've made changes with the referees. They've made changes. I mean, again, when it was the last time we haven't seen Bruce Buffer at uh, any of the shows. Wow. You know, it's been a while. So I don't know exactly all the changes that are going on. So curious to see again. The three man commentating booth was great. The two man. We'll get Todd Grisham a little bit of time because actually his voice sounded good. Yeah, it's just what he was saying. What he was saying. So I wonder how you know that'll get better. And again, you got to give him a little bit of leeway because it was his first show, and we'll see. You know, again, we've started watching UFC late, so we don't know how you know John Anik and it was John Anik. John, no, it's John. Oh, John. No, John Anik. How Brian Stan? How all those guys sounded in the first time? So, oh, really quick. Remember we talked about Bellator and the fake Joe Rogan? So on Insta- on Twitter, he was talking about that this week. Joe Rogan? Yeah, and Joe Rogan said, no, he, the other guy is not a fake Joe Rogan because he had the bald head before Joe Rogan. Oh. So technically... Joe Rogan's the fake Joe Rogan. Yeah, Rogan's the fake Joe Rogan. <laughs> so it's funny he, br- he he actually brought it up. So 
it was interesting because we didn't know, you know, again, being new to, to this whole um, Bellator. Be- Bellator and MMA, we didn't know that because we, we watched UFC first. So for us, he was a fake Joe Rogan. But it turns out Joe Rogan is a fake Joe Rogan. But anyway, so jumping right in, was there anything else this week? That we want, you know, came up that we wanted to talk about. Oh, um, uh, you want to talk about the Bellator about who pulled out? Well, we recorded Bellator because we still haven't watched it. We still haven't, we still haven't watched it. That's like you know, obviously, you watch WWE, you record mm-hmm. TNA, and you're like, I get to it when I get to it. So, but what was the big thing this week? Uh, the big fight was supposed to be Fedor Emelianenko. Emelianenko or something? Yeah. Something like that. He's Russian. Fedor. Uh, versus uh, Matt Mitchrone, who was uh, in the UFC. Remember? Yeah, I remember. That, that's the only Travis Brown fight he won. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> but, uh, so, I think it was literally the day of the fight, Matt Mitchrone pulled out of the fight because he got sick. And I think he ended up having to, he got really sick. I think it was like kidney stone or something like that. Yeah, and so that was, I mean, it was billed as Fedor's return, and so obviously with the Fedor fight not not anymore, not any longer on the card, people there was a lot of, people weren't very happy. Now, I don't think it was pay-per-view, because... No, nah, Bellator never has pay-per-view. Yeah, so, so I mean, be thankful for that, because imagine... But if you pay for it... Uh, well, you I mean, mean in person? Yeah, like, oh, once well, you go see it, then you can be pissed. Well, yeah, well, you could be, yeah, if you're in, you went in person, then you could be mad. But if you're watching it at home, you do it like us. You DVR it, you check it when you when you want. Yeah, yeah. So, but so uh, yeah, we'll probably see that never. Oh, oh, and then another big one, Valerie Letourneau, oh, one of my one of my favorite yeah. one of my favorite fighters in the UFC. She actually uh, the, she, she left. The, she left. They parted ways. Um, did she get? Did they fire her? I don't know the leave? details, but her comment was that you know she was leaving, and I think she had a she she struggled with you know cutting weight to yeah, uh, one fifteen. I think it is. Yeah, and so that's the uh, so Strong. it was kind of yeah, so it's kind of messed up because I liked her. She's the only in my mind. She was she's the only one who could beat Joanna. She's the only one who gave her competition because remember that fight. Yep. I thought she won the first the first few rounds, and then and then after that, Joanna just took over. But uh, I liked Letourneau, and I thought you know she had a uh, you know much much more to her career at, in the UFC. But I think that's the problem. They're missing that band between bantamweight. That one twenty five is what they're missing. Yeah. And there's a lot of women that could fight in that because like even Andrade, Andrade could fight that one twenty five comfortably. Well, you gotta remember. Here's the thing: the women's um, divisions, both of them have the least amount of fighters in the whole UFC, with only like about twenty women per per division. So it's like, does not even if they were to make adding those two, the, you know, the the mid, the in between strawweight and bantamweight, or that's a that's flyweight, flyweight, and then a featherweight. They need yeah, more but women, there's a right? lot of good women, and I think it's the UFC's fault for not looking for many for more of them because there's plenty in Invicta. There's plenty. I mean, they just did a Ultimate Fighter. Remember, the Ultimate Fighter was all women. So all those, all those women. Yeah, but if you plenty. if you go back on, if you look up Invicta right now and you look at their alumni, basically all the girls in UFC are from Invicta. Yeah, but so my, they but, really took but, all the talent. But there's from a lot of girl, a lot of women in the what is it that the lower division that Joanna's in, featherweight, strawweight. Straw so there's a, a lot of women in strawweight that should be at 125, right? And they're killing themselves trying to cut down. The, I think my point is they don't have they won't have a problem finding female fighters for 125 like they are for 145. Yeah, at 145, that's pretty big woman. They're gonna have a lot a hard time finding more than you know 10. 
but for 125, you've got half the division at 115 who could fight comfortably at 125. You even have some like Andrade who are probably bantamweight and should be at 125. But, but that thing. If they let, if they open, okay, here's why they're not gonna do it right now. If they open up a flyweight division, right? Then let's just say half the girls will want to go up because that's a normal weight. Then you lose half of the girls, and that division is already small. So with about fifteen girls, they can't carry a whole division like that. It would get boring. That's how it'll end up being how the heavyweight division is, where you see the same guys fighting over and over again. I still think that there's. But I want to see a new division, but I think just they need like, to get more women. Just like Jalen White's doing looking for a fight, you know, I've, I think there's still a lot of promotions out there that they can go find women fighters. I still think that they're, they're just not looking... They're not turning over the right rocks, is my point. Especially at 125. My point, again, 145, hard to find big women. But at 125, that's more of a normal woman size. Mm-hmm. So there has to be plenty more women fighters out there. Um... Where whether they come into 125 or you bring it in for 115 so that all the 115 women that need to fight at 125 can go to 125. But anyway, so sad to see Valerie Laterno, uh leave. Uh, curious to see where she lands. Hopefully, you know, UFC uh, adds a 125. She'll come back because, again, I th- I still think that, you know, she... She had the, the talent. I, that fight against her, her fight against Joanna was one of the better ones I've seen in the, in any women's division. So, uh, also from there, what else do we want to talk about? Um, did Cyborg say anything else this week? I don't know. Let's check out her. Let's check like, out her. I feel like Cyborg might have said something. Let's check out her Instagram. Let's see. They're still promoting that she's taking that she's retired. Yeah. Actually, they asked me she take if she would ever be interested in going up to Featherweight, and she said no. I think that would see the thing about Featherweight is I th- always thought people like Misha Tate and the uh, um, Sarah McMahon, even Sarah McMahon, you said no to going to Featherweight. I think those kind of older fighters like Alexa Davis, uh, Sarah Kaufman, they could have a nice fresh start at Featherweight, you know, because they're getting older. Might as well. They'll never get back to the top, I think, you know? Yeah. So I think that's, with the division as empty as that, they, they have a better shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything that she said. I mean, yeah, nothing I mean, she promotes her pink belt fitness, which is basically like a woman's fitness camp that she does. Uh, she talked about, there was some show, oh, uh, one of her friends, I guess, Made her professional debut in Bellator at 125. Bellator has a 125. I know they had women in Bellator. Yeah. Shoot, they better buy Bellator then. Yeah, so you've got... So anyways, that's... You know, obviously she was happy about her... Her, um... Her win? You know, her... Yeah, her... Well, getting cleared. Is that a word? That is a word. Yeah. Alright, so then let's just move into tonight's fight night. Uh, we didn't see the prelims yet. I mean, we, we saw, saw one fight. We once saw, saw... Yeah, we saw the first one. We saw, Mar- what is it, Marshman, Marshman yeah, versus Santos. Santos. Uh, that was a pretty good fight. Yeah, right? did he get... He, um... How'd he win? He need the guy, right? No, he had the kick. Oh, yeah, you yeah, remember yeah, that? round kick. That round key. So, that was Santos, right? Yeah, Santos. Santos did a round... Was it... It was, uh... I don't know what you call it. 
it was a spinning back. It was like a spinning back kick, and he caught him. He's facing the guy, and he takes his right leg and kicks over. Yeah, so it was like a spinning back kick. Well, it was I like don't know. It was like it was like a, round, like a roundhouse. Yeah, roundhouse. And, and the guy went to block with his right hand, but, but the kick went right over, right over the hand, and basically got the, got the knockout. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good one. Um, Felder Felder versus versus Re, uh, Ricci. Ricci. Okay, so yeah, I want to see Esparza versus Marcos. That that's one. I, I uh, that one Marcos, but I'm curious to see. The fight. <laughs> I knew it. What, what, how'd she win? I don't know. It won't give us a result. But click on it. Decision. Oh, oh well, decision. Decision. But I want to see it because we. She, we she got four. Four takedowns out of ten. Because yeah, here's the thing. Here's the here's the thing. I saw Esparza in her in her title defense versus Joanna when Joanna demolished her, and I remember thinking like she's the champion. Like it was not even a it wasn't even a close fight. It was almost like me going in there against like a professional fighter. So I don't know enough about Esparza. We saw her fight once, right? We've seen her fight like ever since she lost basically. Yeah, and so you know she's got a good reputation. Was she the one who had to sell her? Remember a while ago she sold her Harley um, Harley Davidson bike to make ends meet. Cause remember, she was uh, was she, that her? Yeah, cause she had won the bike from the Ultimate Fighter when she won the title. Oh, it was her. Yeah. So anyway, so curious to see Jesus, that fight. Cute. Yeah, curious to see to see that fight. We'll 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 probably talk about it the next episode. So we saw the main card: Ricci versus Felder. Oh now. God. That one was Felder was the Irish guy, remember? And, yeah, yeah. and he ended up uh, winning that fight. It was a it was knockout. How did he win? I forgot. I'm trying to remember. Also, we just literally saw that fight. I remember all the other fights. Yeah, I remember him winning. How the heck did he win? I don't know. TKO. Wait, let's see. Uh, TKO, TKO. <laughs> let's check on Twitter. Because we were up on Twitter. I'm trying to remember. In the first round. I'm trying to remember that one. So that one was... Like at the beginning. Oh, check oh here we go. Hold on. Oh, he broke his nose. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that one? That was the one that he broke his so nose. So he went to... I think uh, Richie went in. They were really close. He went in to like, throw a punch. And Felder came in with the brought his elbow up like he was going to block, but brought it high up and broke his nose. And then on and the then way he down, he backs up to the cage, and then Felder starts punching and knees him right in the nose and breaks his nose. Yeah, and then and then and then Richie just basically crumbles and just covers his his face. Like, and remember the Roy McDonald um, uh, rapid line fight? Yeah, he got hit so hard. Yeah, so he protected his nose because it was really bad. So that's how he ended up winning. That was actually a pretty good fight. This was actually a pretty good, good fight. Man. Yep. I didn't expect much from this one. And then uh, McCann versus Mazzani. It's McMahon. Oh, what did I say? McCann. Oh, McMahon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sarah McMahon. Did I say McCann? Why am I it's thinking McCann? Sarah McMahon versus Mazzani. And Ooh, uh, this one was interesting because it was Mazzani's uh, USC debut. And she was like four pounds over or something like that. And didn't she get called like... Was it was it uh, short notice? Short notice fight. Yeah, that's why she was over like three pounds. So short notice fight, she was over three pounds, and it was over real quick. Yeah, Sarah McMahon got a takedown, and then literally she got a uh, what is it arm triangle? It was an arm triangle. Yeah. And McMahon's also a uh, Olympic wrestler. I think she was one of the first girls to get a bronze medal in Olympic wrestling or something like that. 
And I could tell that was that was a wrestler instinct because she literally got on her back and had her arm up. A wrestler knows to go for that uh, underhook high. <laughs> so I was like, yep, I know what she's doing. She's squeezing like there's no life. Yeah, so it was a mismatch. It was a mismatch, but here's the thing. This is what we were talking about. If you're Mazzani and you get called on short notice and it's your USC debut, usually you don't want to take a short notice fight if you're not ready. But if, it, if, you, if you're trying to get to the UFC, the UFC calls you, offers you... Uh, yeah, offers you your first fight. You gotta take it. You gotta take it just to get to the show. You know, you have, you, if you don't take it, then you might never get that call. You again. might never get that call again. So, so you could tell that McMahon felt bad for her because from the moment that she, that the referee stopped the fight, she was giving her, you know, talking to her and talk, and it wasn't trash talking. It was, I think, she was giving her advice, like, hey, you know what? It don't, you know, what I, mean? I don't know what she was saying, but she talked to her even through the when they lifted her yeah. arm up. So I give Sarah McMahon a lot of uh, yeah, I give her props for you know kind of being a good sport like that. Uh, after that, it was uh, Theodoro, Theodoro versus Fajeda. Fajeda, they call it's for Ferreira, it's, it's but Brazilian. you know, these Brazilian guys, like we said in episode four, these Brazilians, this they confuse they this man because it, it's spelled Ferreira, but Fajeda is what they call it. There's no D in there. There's no H. There's no J. But apparently he's Fajeda. So this one, Theodoro has this reputation as even he, he, he keeps... Nice hair. Yeah, he has nice hair. He thinks he's a pretty boy, right? He has this nice flowing hair, better than some women. Um, and that's his calling card. But it was a good fight. Actually, I thought Ferreira Fajeda had a chance to win this fight. But he wasn't active enough. Yeah. Not active enough. I mean, look he at... He went it, look, for like three submissions. Yeah, but look at it. Total strikes... 70 11. to 11. Uh, significant strikes, 38 to 11. So he had... No, he, but he only threw 38. The other guy threw 155. That's how... No, 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 that's no, no, that's no, 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 that's what I'm saying. No, 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm saying how much he landed. He didn't have... So, yeah, even that. he the uh, Theodoro threw 155 to for, Fajeda's 38. And significant strikes... Uh, Theodoro 116 and he threw 38 so he could have won this fight if he would have just stayed even with him because honestly if it would have went to the decision and he was even in in his strikes yeah. he would have won the fight because yeah. he had three takedowns he had two submission attempts to, to, to Theodoro zero and Theodoro got the decision yeah. and so it's funny tell him about what happened at the end of the fight so I guess the other a couple of days ago, a fan on Twitter told Theodoro Theodoro that if he wins, um, and he shouts him out, he'll get yeah, a, in his in his uh, win in his win or whatever, he'll get a tattoo of his face and his hair on on his face. And then Theodoro in his uh, post fight win or interview, he actually shouts out the fan and he's like, "I'll fly you out, but you better get that haircut." <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, that's you actually better get that tattoo. So that's actually pretty cool of the way you know. Again, I think USC fighters have to do just like other athletes and and engage your fans on social media. So I tell you what, that dude is going to be a fan of Theodoro for the rest of his life. So that's great use of social media. Uh, so I encourage a lot of you uh, fighters who might be listening and who follow us to definitely use your social media and and that's a nice way to build up your brand i know for example felice herrig she does a good job with her with her instagram um you know sometimes she posts what we consider just the, the most boring like face uh Graphic instagram presence. instagram 
uh, video and it's like her laying down with a, her cat, uh, Quinn, or her wrapping gifts. But you know what? As fans, hey, we're cool. I want to I wanna look inside your everyday life. And so using your social media that way is a great example. So Felice, keep it up. You know, so we so we we definitely like seeing enough of your of your cat Quinn and her like going to the gym. You know the cat's name? Yeah, because she talks about it all the time. I mm-hmm. follow her on on Instagram. I Do you watch like every video she posts? Sometimes you see the notification. Oh, click! You're the first person <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. What did I tell you? I'm a fan of Felice. So shout outs to Felice. Um, she, I know she doesn't have a boyfriend. Cause she mentions that too. She mentions going to the gym. I'll she take a, I'll take a good send, mom. <laughs> so so anyways my point is definitely use your social media keep doing it guys and the ones that don't i definitely i definitely think you should so let's move on what's the next it was cecilia versus tucker oh this is Ooh. a good fight because tucker was making his usc debut as well and tucker's a great example of a guy who the, the reasons why we need a fighter uh union because this guy he was a jazz, I think they said like a jazz musician or something. He had a lot of guitars mm-hmm. and he had to sell them so he could train. So this is a kind of story that makes it kind of sad about this whole, you know, MMA thing. Guys who are fighters, not just guys, but women who have to basically claw and figure out a way to make ends meet and to support, you know, their careers. And so this guy had to give up, you know, his, his guitars, collection. his collection of guitars, which is kind of wrong. That they have to do that just so he could fight. So, anyways, to go into the fight, obviously Cecilia is um, is a veteran, and Tucker making his debut. Man, this guy looked amazing. He might like, be like he looked like Cody Garbrandt in that fight. It's just it by the way. Yeah. So even even Brian Stan was saying it. He got confused because he thought it was the same division. No, as, that was Grisham or Grisham. No, it was it was uh, Stan. It was oh, Stan. Yeah. And so he even he got confused thinking that. Thinking yeah. that, um, you know, this was Cody Garbrandt's division, yeah. but he he's quick on his feet. He put on an impressive show from from start to finish. And so everyone, I, I definitely um, guarantee, keep an eye on Gavin Tucker because this guy is going to be a star. Gonna, this kid's going to be something. Unless yeah. he's like Sage Northcutt, man. Unless, unless, you were the chosen one. Yeah, unless... Unless this is a one, you know, one just hit a one hit wonder, but I don't think so because he's got the tools. He's quick on his feet. He's fast. He, uh, he hits hard. He hits hard. And did he? Uh, this wasn't the one where he was, where he was, where he kicked his leg and his leg looked like junk. Was he? Yeah, that was it. That was. So his so, leg was so cut. We've been saying this for for a while now. How when we first started watching UFC, a lot of fighters used to use the inside leg kick. To basically damage, damage put give damage to their opponent. Not enough guys do it, and so he did a great job because I think in round like one, the uh, Cecilia's inside leg was like it looked like he horrible. got cut. Yeah, it looked it like he had a bad. cut. And so again, keep an eye on Gavin Tucker. If you haven't seen the fight, Sam Cecilia versus Gavin Tucker, check it out. It was definitely an entertaining fight, and it's it's uh, you could see he's obviously got a lot of tools. So I look forward to you know kind of checking out what he what he has coming on. He looks like Jeezy. You ever seen? <laughs> he does, yeah. And so after that, it was Hendricks versus Lombard. Now listen. The funny thing about this was we thought he made weight for once. It turns out he just went up. To, he went to the next weight class. <laughs> so yeah, because if you know anything about Johnny Hendricks, he always he has problem weight. making weight. So we're like, the biggest move of the fight is the fact that he made <laughs> weight. weight. 
because he made weight. He was at 185. This is 185. But turns out he, he went like, up a division to make weight. So he made weight. First of all, I don't know if you guys have seen Hector Lombard, but the swole. dude looks like a beast. He is swole. Listen, to the point where you know how the UFC has a few different um, shorts? He, they've got the, the tights. Yeah. Then they have the loose ones. And then they have also the... Like uh, the cut ones, the cut ones. Well, he was wearing the loose ones, the regular shorts, and they looked like they were tight. <laughs> they were, they were, they were basically cutting the circulation to his quads. So some big legs. This guy, I want to see this guy versus Joel Romero because that that'd be like freaks of nature against each other. Yeah. So in this fight, I thought it was an entertaining fight. Johnny Hendricks won via decision. I mean, I agree. I agreed with it. I just think uh, Lombard made a few. You know, he just. He didn't do enough to win the fight, right? Yeah, because his last couple of fights, he would do good in the first round and blow himself out. That's how he got knocked out by Dan Henderson. You remember that one? Yeah, that Dan yeah. Henderson fight where he was winning, he knocked him down, he got back up, he got knocked out. Yeah, so my problem is, and this goes back, we've talked about this before. Cardio if you, is everything. Cardio is everything. If you're a UFC fighter and you got a three-round fight, train like it's a six-round fight because then come round three, you're good. If you got a five-round fight, Train like it's 10 rounds and you're good. So these these fighters that lose steam like two rounds into a three-round fight, two rounds into a five-round fight, Conor McGregor, it's like, come on, man. Like this is – cardio is your number one thing because unless you're a beast and you're looking for the knockout in the first three rounds, like, like a Brock Lesnar, right, mm-hmm. then that's a different story. But not everyone can go in there with the mentality, I'm going to strike out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock out. This you know you're not Mike Tyson of of MMA like I'm gonna go in there and just bust you up bust you up you know that's another story Brock Lesnar retired this week oh yeah going going back to stories of the week Brock Lesnar retired I mean that's not really a surprise because I didn't think that I think I didn't think he was gonna be an active fighter I think they just brought him back for that UFC 200 you know yeah. what I mean to make it a big show but he retired officially which he got popped for steroid you know for performance enhancing drugs so. Not totally shocked with that. So, anyways, Johnny Hendricks won at the end. He just talked about going to 185 and and saying how he has more energy because obviously no weight cut. So here's my problem: all these fighters who cut weight and then they and then at some point in their career, like Dos Anjos is gonna do fight up. Johnny Hendricks is doing fighting up. It's like you're you know they basically go down, they cut weight, they're unhappy, then they go up. And, and then they're happy. happy. And then they're saying they're happy. Why the hell didn't you fight at that at that weight in the first place? You know what I mean? Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. So after that, it was the the main event versus <laughs> it was it was uh, Derek Lewis versus Travis Brown. When and this is my impression of Travis Brown. This is what I tweeted. I said his biggest win was, right was Ronda Rousey. Rousey. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And so. I didn't expect him to win, honestly, but he needed to win because he's he hasn't been really he hasn't been doing well in his career, and so he needed this win. So why don't you tell him what happened? Uh, so first round goes by and uh, Travis Brown is just pressing a lot of significant uh, strikes. He looked good in the first round because Brown, yeah. yeah, because he he's a heavyweight, but he doesn't look like a heavyweight. I mean, he looks really and, really oh, built. Derek Lewis was throwing some nice kicks for a heavyweight. Oh, yeah. Well, well, yeah. So, anyway, but oh. first of all, Travis Brown looked really good because he's very long. And, and so And so, he looks like he's well put together. He's not flabby. He's cut up. 
And so he looks like he has the potential to be a devastating heavyweight. So he came in through kicks. But the surprising thing of the first round was Derek Lewis has some flab to him. That's all we can say about it. He's got flab. And you would think that he'd be like a typical heavyweight. Slow. You know, with all that weight. Yeah. And and because technically he's at, he was 265. He had, Brian Stan said he had to cut weight. To, to get to one heavyweight. So if you got to cut weight to get to heavyweight, fat. means you fat. And we thought he'd be fat and slow, but what happened in the first round? He threw some crazy kicks, like Like acrobatic. Kick. Yeah, like, like acrobatic kicks. kicks. Like a flyweight kick, yo. <laughs> yeah. So we were like, wait a second. Once we saw that, we're like, this is going to be interesting. But then at one point, Travis Brown hits him in the stomach. And he, he for, the whole, for the second half of the first round, he kept holding his stomach. And we're like... What the heck is this guy? He's like he's like Mr. Hippo from Mike Tyson's Punch Out, where the stomach his stomach is his weak weak point. And he have all that meat, but it still hurts your stomach. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, we'll get to the stomach thing later. So then, tell him what happened. Uh, second round comes by. Uh, Lewis's corner tells him to stay off the cage, press, press, and get in. And basically, that's what happens. He just becomes a beast in the second round and goes after him, gets him. And eventually, I think he, he, it looked like he missed him with the punch. He hits oh, him. Oh, he caught him in the top of the he head. He caught him at the very top of his head. He goes down, and then Derek Lewis just goes pounding on him, and that was about it. Um, so the thing about his stomach, what happened was he was still grabbing the stomach. Uh, oh, no, wait, but before we get oh, to the end of that, remember the referee? So... Uh-huh. So what happened at the end of this fight, so Charles Brown falls back after the, the punch that basically knocks him out. And Lewis gets on top of him and starts punching him. And we're all waiting for the referee to stop oh, the fight. Yeah. So the referee waits like 10 seconds to stop the fight. And then when he does go in to stop it, Lewis done. had already stopped because he realized that Travis Brown was out. Mm-hmm. And so that was a controversial. Yeah. And everybody, even Brian Stan was like, that was a late Really, late really stage. late stoppage. Like really late. So, anyways, go on afterwards and explain the interview. Okay, so uh, Brian Sand asks him about if his stomach was, you know, injured. He's like, no, I just had to take a take a dump. And I and I told you this. I was like, I bet you just has to use a bathroom after all that crappy BT. Yeah, he he basically just said, I gotta I take, take a, a I gotta do take a boo boo. That's what he said. Yo, <laughs> I'd be so I'd be so scared having to hold it like. And plus, they were supposed to be a five-round fight. Imagine having to hold all that. What do you do? Do you just, like, do it in your pants? I wonder. And then he and then he talks trap, mad trash about Travis Brown. What do, you, what do you call him? Oh, first of all, he said that's what he gets for... Because he, oh, he likes hitting women, so it makes made reference to his um, domestic violence past. <laughs> then he goes, where's the fine... Where's... Uh, where's where's, where's, no, where's, where's Ron's fine ass? Where's Ron, he called out Ron and Ron. He said, where's Ron's fine ass? Yeah. <laughs> that dude's a beast, yo. And so, it was, I tell you what, it was the most entertaining, nonchalant, like, interview. And you could tell Brian Stan half fun? wanted to laugh, half was trying uncomfortable, half trying to be uncomfortable. It's like and so, it, well, you know, a third, I guess. A third this, a third that, and a third trying to be professional. And so that was so funny. And I gotta tell you what, I'm a new fan of Derek Lewis. Yeah, I basically follow him on his, on like social media. The stuff he posts is hilarious. Like he'll be posting like memes and all these sex jokes and stuff like that. 
Oh, he, he, what, when he was talking about his training, he's like, yeah, I've been training, having sex and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was crazy, man. So, his mic skills aren't Conor McGregor type mic oh, skills. Funny. This is more like, get on the microphone because you don't know what the heck he's going to say. So, I'm definitely a new Derek Lewis fan following him. We'd love to have him on the uh, podcast one time. So, Derek, if you're listening, great. You, homie. Yeah, great show. Great fight against Travis Brown. Uh, definitely keep following you and would love to, you know, kind of get you on the show and just shoot the breeze and, and you know, get people to learn a little, learn a little bit more about you. Um, you like upcoming fights real quick? Yeah, so that was, that was basically UFC... Halifax, which was in Canada, good show actually. This was a pretty, pretty, pretty good show. I, I didn't think it was going to be that good, honestly. I thought it was over after Lombard and Hendricks. Remember? I oh, forgot yeah. that there was a one more fight to go. Yeah, like, Brandon, to be, so Brendan, what are you going to do now? There's one more fight. <laughs> Turned out to be the best fight of the night, yeah. but only because he surprised us. We thought he was going to be like Mr. Hippo and slow, and he turned out to be pretty agile and, and fast. He was pretty fast. So. Let's see what's uh what's oh going. and he has the longest um was it the most the longest most active uh, heavyweight win streak of six fights. Yeah. That's not bad, yo. That's nice. That's a big dude. So the next, you know, we've talked about this before. Two hundred nine's coming up. It's Woodley versus Thompson, That's and and for me again, you know how they promote it based on the main event. How it's like oh two hundred nine Woodley versus Thompson. For me, it's not Woodley versus Thompson. For me, it's uh basically. No, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Nermagam Nermagandov. No, Nermagamadov, right? Uh, right? Just call him Khabib. Khabib versus Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson. That's the fight I'm looking forward to. And then you got Rashad Evans fighting in that card as well. Um, and I'm not seeing oh, anyone right else. There. Oh, Mark Hunt versus Alistair Overeem. And uh, so, yeah, for me, I'm looking forward to that Coleman event. Uh, more than I'm looking forward to Tyrone Woodley and, and Stephen Thompson. That's not, that's not but hard. I will say I wouldn't mind seeing Woodley winning because I want him to start seeing that if you if you win, then, then they start promoting you kind of like, like Nunez. Nunez. Um, and so I would like to see him win so that the UFC can kind of prove him wrong. That yeah, it wasn't it's not, a race thing. It's not, race, it's not a race thing. It's uh, You came out of nowhere and nobody knows about you, so we can't promote you. Yeah. Um, and so that's pretty much it. Uh, that's, uh, March 4th. That's two weeks from now. Yep. So that should be a good one. We're definitely going to shut out our 60 bucks, but I'm hoping that the card will finish out with a few women's fight because there's no I women. I hate cards that don't have women fights. I've said that since day one that we've watched UFC. For me, the more entertaining, for some reason, I'm a big fan of women's, the women's right. division, women's MMA. So any card that doesn't have women, I have an issue with. And again, I, you know, I keep saying this. I definitely want to see an all-women's pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. I think we have enough potential fights to make that happen. But Imagine all four like, championship fights on the main card. That'd be awesome. That'd be amazing. But besides that, uh, what else What else do we have? Is that it? The rest of the uh, other upcoming ones. I mean, we can talk about that next one. We've talked about them enough. What about 211? See, what's 211? What's the... Oh, 210? 210's the one I'm looking forward to the most because it's Cormier versus Rumble. Rumble's totally different than than he was ver- the first time they fought. Uh, let's see. Who else? Weidman, Weidman versus Musasi. That's going to be it's a good Mousy. one. No, it's Musasi. There's no uh, Musasi. Yeah. Okay, whatever. And then uh, 211. Let's see what other fight nights are coming up. Oh, Namajunas. Namajunas versus Watterson. Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, yeah, because she won her rematch. Yeah, so Watterson versus Namajunas is coming up. USC Fight Night, April 15th. 
looking forward to that one. Uh, there. Let's see. Oh, wait, go year's... back. Go back. Eric Sanchez from the Ultimate Fighter. Oh, yeah. I remember he was the one who busted his feet kicking. That was him, right? No, that was the other guy. That wasn't him? Another white guy. All right. And then after that is Cup Swanson. Hey, Moeno. Huh? Moeno. From the Ultimate Fighter. Oh, yeah, Moreno from the Ultimate Fighter. Like, he's 33 fights he's been in the UFC. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's undefeated, right? Yeah, because he's won his first two fights in, in the, the UFC. In the UFC. In the UFC. And then we've got uh, Jessica Penny versus Taylor. We've seen Taylor fight. Remember she had a debut? Not yeah. Tomorrow? So there's a... Uh... Oh, Sandoval. Oh, he's from the... Schnell. Schnell's from the, the Ultimate Fighter, remember? Mm, Max Schnell. The two mats. Moreno, let's see. Quinta versus Sanchez. Haltzman McBride. Uh, let's see, 211. 211 is... Oh, that's not bad. Stipe versus... Santos, that should be a good one. Still, you know, the rest of the card is being filled out. Uh, anything else UFC wise? So we'll check out Bellator again. We're not really Bellator fans. Uh, you know, Todd Grisham would have been perfect in Bellator, Bellator. I think because I he they, went to Bellator. because they got the, the, the WWE, WWE entrances. <laughs> if they have WWE Simon guy, it'd be great. But. That's about it, everyone. I think uh, that and concludes our show. Anything else going on on social media that we noticed this week? Let's check out the Instagram real quick, just in case. Let's see if we have anything. Let me see my Twitter for this week. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, our, our, our Instagram is the Guillotine MMA. And our Twitter is Guillotine underscore MMA. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's scroll through, oh, oh, remember this one? No, I didn't see that So, one. apparently there was a fight, and this was, we saw this through MMAweekly.com, where the corner man has to come in and stop the fight, and stop the fight because oh, wow. the referee fails to see that the fighter was unconscious, and it, it looks like it's a woman's fight because there's a ponytail, and it's crazy, that's like, man, refs have to be well, on. What about the one where the dude tried to... Uh, copy Cody guy Brandon got knocked out oh yeah there was a <laughs> fight we don't know what promotion that was but basically the guy tried to showboat and do like some kind of dance but he got did, knocked out but he was he was within within kicking distance he got knocked out yeah. uh, let's see oh yeah so I saw that Namajunas versus Watterson got booked uh, and I think that's it think that does that does it yeah so anyways thanks everyone for listening to this episode uh definitely if you like the show uh, share subscribe and uh follow us on on social media we also have a facebook page uh the facebook page is I believe it's the same as the Instagram, which is the Guillotine MMA podcast. No, the Guillotine MMA. Yep. So the Guillotine MMA on Facebook. So we got Facebook, we got Twitter, we got Instagram. And remember, you can catch the each episode on iTunes, Google Not Play, each. SoundCloud. Huh? Not each of them. Because remember, they're delete. Yeah, but Stitcher, TuneIn. So we're on all major platforms. You can catch us, uh, the Guillotine MMA podcast, and stay tuned for the next episode. 
Thanks for tuning in.